So who wants to go with the win? A win from this week. Go for it, Patty. Okay. I shared that for, I wear a Fitbit. And it's usually giving me all the bad news. I'm not exercising enough. I'm not sleeping enough. <laughs> this week, it was really good. This week was the best I've ever had. Awesome. That's amazing. So, the great win. Fantastic. Yes. Yes. We'll, take, we'll take that. We'll run with that. Who wants to go with another win? Go for it, Camila. Um, our win is that Alexia was able to join us tonight. Um, she's um, a new friend. Uh, I've known her for like, what, six months now? Um, but I feel like it's really cool that she's meeting you and all of you. And uh, she's part of the group now. Awesome. How about, thank you. How about one more win? One more win for the, for the class. Somebody else. One last one. Well, so for, for Claudia and I, we were both agreeing that we were, at least we were trying. We were trying consistently, even as we were struggling. So Nice. That's a giant win too. These are fabulous wins, right? That you've reported. That's really amazing. Um, thank you. How about um, a lesson? We'll go with maybe two lessons that, that were picked up from this week. Two lessons. I have a lesson. My insomnia sometimes serves. My, my win, my, my question is, does, um, does the nights, the insomniac moments count when you're deep in prayer and thought and meditation? So my own answer to my own question is that's a definite win. And why not? I love it. Big lesson there, right? We take things as they are and don't push away. Big, big, big lesson. Nice. One more lesson. I, uh, I realized this week when I was doing meditation, how much of my thinking is is planning and trying to figure out the best possible way to do things. <laughs> and it's really hard for me to get off that train. Mm. You and everybody else. <laughs> me too. Me too. Absolutely. That's, that's a good recognition, right? And, uh, and something to work with something to kind of like, hmm, what's going on there? And I think we'll talk a little bit about that tonight. Okay, so how about uh, a couple of questions that arose during this week? And I'm, I don't know if I have answers. I don't have answers. I, I have like inklings. So I'm as curious as you are. So we might offer answers to each other. So what are some questions that came up for you? I have a question. Is is the uh, having your eyes open kind of like a requirement for this type of meditation? Nothing's a requirement. I mean, I know. Yeah, yeah. But this particular practice, yes. And it's training for, as I said at the beginning of class, there's the meditation practice and then there's the post-meditation practice. And when you're doing your post-meditation, 
you're living and usually you're with your eyes open. So we want to just extend the practice uh, fluidly into our day-to-day life. So we just train for that. And that's why we keep the eyes open. So this is like ENC 1102. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) ENC 1101 is with the eyes closed. And then 02 is with the eyes open. (laughs) Correct. Other questions that came up. Uh, my question um, was, I at night I was struggling to discern the difference between um, wins and gratitude. Mm-hmm. And uh, Deborah mm-hmm. had mentioned that her her uh, wins were kind of more specific, and her gratitude was more general. Uh, do you have any thought on that? I take both kind of like I, 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 I flow from one to the other. Um, so I, um, I would say a win is usually something that I do. Like I did this. That's a win for me. And then a gratitude would be something that's happening that, um, that I often receive that I notice, but that I didn't actually use my effort to acquire or to have. So uh, like today, but that could be blended, right? So today I took a walk with the puppies and uh, over my, like way up on the trees, I heard the little chirping of these little um, birds that were still in the nest. And I just sat there for like, I didn't sit, I was was standing looking up for like a minute. Uh, I was so grateful for hearing that sound. And I couldn't see them, but I could hear them. I was also, it was also a win because I actually was paying attention. So it was kind of both like a win and gratitude. Ah, it's, it's language, right? And it, it's a little, it's a little mm, mushy at times. But the idea with both the, uh, the wins and the gratitude is that we're working our neg- on our negativity bias. Right. So the idea is that we are taking time throughout the day to prep ourselves to notice those things that are going well. And because our tendency is to notice those things that are not going well. And and that's a biological sort of evolutionary gift that we receive, the negativity bias, because it protects us. It protects us from danger. But when we are so exposed to a lot of stimulation, then that negativity bias tends to take over. And so we want to counter it with wins, with gratitude, not because we want to be sort of like, um, you know, like people who are always positive, because that's, I find that to be toxic positivity. Um, You know, things happen that are terrible and you go like, that's terrible or that's hard or that's challenging. And we want to acknowledge that. But we want to train to be able to notice even when things are going not the way we want them to, to even notice the things that are still going on that are like, oh, that's pretty good. Oh, I could enjoy that. This tastes good. Uh, This smells really good. You know, basic little things that you go like this anchors me 
in the moment of where I could open up the heart, open up the heart. Um, one more, I'll come back to that with, because that's related to focusing and, uh, and, and quieting. But is there one more question that maybe somebody wants to ask? Go ahead. Go ahead. So, Carlos, do, do we have to sit straight up without a back of a chair? Because well, I, I was I was asked that this week, somebody who was having some back pain and challenging uh, sort of like the sitting. And I would say if you're having pain, the pose is not supposed to be painful. So the pose in and of itself is not important in the sense that What's important is actually your ability to stay focused in the moment through your breath and to be able to work with your thoughts by labeling this as thinking and coming back to the breath. Um, you know, somebody, let's say that's bedridden, will do that in bed. Um, and that's a meditation practice solid, right? The idea of sitting up is, is just meant to keep you awake, partly. It's meant to keep you your chest cavity. So there's physicality involved with it. So right. the chest cavity is open so that the lungs can freely uh, work. Um, the, the back is long so that you're, you're doing a bit of effort. So even the posture is pointing to this, this dance of right effort. How much effort for you to keep a long back? Well, just enough, but not too much. If you do it too much, it becomes stiff. And then it becomes something that you really have to like put extremely um, a big amount of effort, which will get into, it, it will intervene in you having the experience of focusing on the breath. So if you try too hard, it's not working. If you try too little, it's not working. Finding the Goldilocks sort of of the in-between of that, the in-betweenness of that is actually what you're aiming for. This practice is a very in-between practice. It's the in-betweenness of holding the attention to the breath while acknowledging the thoughts happening while acknowledging the environment around us. So it's, it's these several things happening at the same time which points to like this spaciousness. The in-betweenness is a sense of space. And as we maybe read in the book, how she refers to this sense of groundlessness, that we don't have any ground under us, you know, that we're floating in space, literally. Um, but in another way, there's nothing about us when we start taking ourselves apart that you could say solid ground. Right, we could we could open up ourselves and we go. Where is the mind? And you go into the brain and you can't find the mind in the brain. You'll find different parts of it, but which one is the mind or which one is the self? Where is where does the self reside? Does it reside in my thumb? Does it reside in my tongue? Is it in my brain again? Where where do you find that? And you realize that there is no place for it. Everywhere you point to, it, like it, it goes, um, and and ultimately there, you know, that's a spacious sense of the person, uh, an open sense of the person, 
which the meditation practice sort of like gives us the experience of. And the posture is paralleling that sort of that in-between state as well. And so again, you want to question like, is if there is pain, find us a, 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 a position where you're not in pain. That's it. Simple, super simple. And then and then step it forward from there. Uh, but if there is no pain, then put the effort. The effort is actually, it, it, you know, like to be able to sit that way is actually uh, a, a, an aspect of the practice, which when our mind is, is really moving very fast, the physicality of the posture allows us to get into it. It sort of allows us to ground. So there's a grounding in the groundlessness, there's a grounding into the body. And so the body becomes very important. Senses become very important. What we smell, what we taste, what we hear, all of that, we don't push it aside or push it away. Does, does that help Cliff or? or yes, no, it's yeah. very good. Thank you. Yeah. So yeah, I, so, go ahead. I, I know for me that the only way I can do that is if I have my hips above the level of my knees. So Absolutely. I have something that's, you know, like a pillow or some blanket or something that's on just under my um, sits bones so that yeah. my knees are lower and then it's comfortable. Otherwise I'm gripping. Uh, yeah, when I sit on the ground, I, I have a bolster, super comfortable bolster and my knees go down, they're open and I feel very at ease there. When I'm on the chair, that I find the chair harder. Um, but but when I'm on a chair, I have a blanket under my chair. I'm comfortable on my chair. I have something under my feet that feels good. So the idea is to give yourself. This is not an austere practice. This is a. This also has an element of like pleasure. So I wanna I wanna move forward with sort of the what I a little bit of what I want to say, which I've been saying it already, this idea of being able to, to uh, quiet ourselves and to focus ourselves. So we want to use all of the tools around us to create an environment in which we can practice. So I know Deborah shared with me this week a, um, a, a really wonderful article, and the person who was writing mentioned this idea of protecting the margins. And I heard that and I'm like, oh yeah, that's, that's the in-between state. How do we protect the margins of our, of our thinking? How do we create, how do we protect the spaces within us? And the writer was mentioning how she got herself off of social media. She got herself off of Twitter. She did all these things because they were encroaching upon just the, the clutter of the mind, right? And so part of what we might want to do is Think about those things around us that interfere, that sort of stimulate us in ways that you go, that's not very helpful. And, and if it's not, then can I limit it? Um, so we don't want to like throw it away, but can I, can, I, can I limit it? Am I ready for that? Um, or can I step away from it, right? With the premise of taking the approach of the pose, which is, not too much and not too little. So finding the not too much and not too little in everything that we do, the, the middle way, 
of approaching things so that it's not a radical, I'm going to get rid of social media, but I'm going to think about, well, how do I, how do I maybe tune it down a bit so that it doesn't take up so much of my time and so much more of my, my thinking. So there's the environmental part of what we could sort of look at and take inventory of. And then there's the internal part, right? The, the internal part, which really comes from um, doing a number of things. One, doing the practice, but two, also engaging in, 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 um, in material that will help us kind of like process what we're doing. So I wanted to bring a, a quote from the book, from the When Things Fall Apart book. This is from the second chapter. It says, thinking that we can find some lasting pleasure and avoid pain is what in Buddhism is called samsara, a hopeless cycle that goes around and around endlessly and causes us to suffer greatly. The very first noble truth of the Buddha points out that suffering is inevitable for human beings as long as we believe that things last, that they don't disintegrate, that they can be counted on to satisfy our hunger for security. From this point of view, the only time we ever know what's really going on is when the rug's been pulled out and we can't find anywhere to land. We use these situations either to wake ourselves up or to put ourselves to sleep. Right now, in the very instant of our groundlessness, is the seed of taking care of those who need our care and of discovering our goodness. So in, in that quote, she's pointing to this very basic idea of uh, expecting solidity, expecting um, security from every experience that we have in life or some experiences that we have in life. And the reality being that that we don't have security, that we don't have solidity, that, that we don't have control over our lives in so many different ways. We could go into that and we could go into a bit of a panic if we start listing that. But the idea is that we befriend the insecurity and we befriend the, the, the sort of the groundlessness of our situation and we remind ourselves that in every instance that we have found ourselves kind of like the rug being pulled from under us, here we are in this Zoom room right now having this conversation. It means that we were able to figure out how to work with that situation. Sometimes we figured it out in better ways in sort of more skillful ways. Other times we did not and we increased the suffering until we then resolved it somehow or the other. I mean, the idea is that life is this beautiful teacher that is incredibly persistent in providing us with everyday lessons, not to punish us, but to allow us to align ourselves with that sense that we are no different than any of the other creatures or critters that we see on this planet. We are no different than the little bugs, than the little spiders, than the little birds, than all of the critters that we see that are vulnerable. We are just as vulnerable as all of them. And that basic sort of reality is in a way the ground in which 
we settle in, where we go, why we practice. So what is my motivation for this practice would be a question to ask ourselves. Why am I practicing? Well, I'm practicing because part of what leads me to this practice is that I'm suffering. And I'm suffering because I'm attaching or I'm holding onto some kind of aspect of myself that I don't want to let go. I am afraid of letting go. It is very painful to let it go. Um, and so that, that, that basic ground that we, all of us in this room have, becomes the motivation to take our seat in on the cushion or on the chair. Not because we're going to resolve the suffering, but because we're going to approach it and maybe befriend it. And in that process, it becomes something, something other than suffering at the time. People come into this meditation practice with a lot of mm, different reasons, right? And obviously this has effects on the brain structure. It has effects on our capacity to focus, on our capacity to remain present. It could lower our blood pressure. It could do all these things. But those reasons are superficial. Ultimately, the, the reason or the motivation that will get us to keep coming back to that cushion and to take our seat every day is the fact that we are suffering and that there are people around us that are suffering and that part of what we want to do is not tighten the noose around that suffering or hold it so tightly to intensify it, but we want to find the means to open up the space, open up the space so that the intensity of that suffering is lessened so that we then can find the path to move through it. And in the process, because everything is very spacious, also experience not just suffering, but also experience joy and happiness and satisfaction, which are all available to us uh, as we open and create a bigger space for things. So in terms of what we want to think about or what I invite you to think about this week is like, what is your motivation to, to take your seat? And my encouragement is to go beyond the physical sort of uh, aspects of this practice, which are very real, and there's lots of science research behind it, and then realize all of the parts within yourself where you have found yourself stuck, where you have found yourself mm, like trapped, where you have found yourself a bit imprisoned, and how can those doors open? And the way that we do the opening is by creating larger space, by or seeing or noticing the larger space that we're in. Um, does anybody want to say something or ask or, or point something out? When I read that segment of uh, the book that you just read, I just had a sense of being heartbroken. Like, wow, this is life. <laughs> yes. And there, there, is a, there is a brokenheartedness in all of this. And it's the acknowledgement of that brokenheartedness, like a good country song or a blues song, 
and and I love the blues for that reason. And I and I like country music sometimes for that reason, because it is such a full-throated acknowledgement that life is difficult. I mean, that is that is that is something that we can't escape. And that um, and it's not that it's a mistake, it's part of being human. The fact that we know that we're gonna die, that we have that awareness is a powerful sort of grieving reflection for all of us that this moment that we're living right now, we cannot repeat. We cannot rewind this day. We cannot take anything back. All we have is the next thing. And just imagine how much we abandon ourselves because we are in the work of trying to provide security and in that process of providing security, we let go of this very moment that we're living right now because we're so worried about the next one that we want to hold on to. And so then we miss this one. And in that moment, we've abandoned our hearts, we've abandoned ourselves, and we will never recover that. That is a loss. And that's that's a sadness that we hold. How many times in our lifetime? Have we abandoned ourselves for how many years? If we put it all together, have we abandoned our hearts because we've been thinking about the next thing or worried about the next thing? And so when we think about that, that we have limited time, then we come back to our scene and we go, yeah, well, like I'm gonna take, I'm gonna, I'm gonna like go for the gold. I'm gonna go for the win, which means I'm gonna be present with whatever comes my way. That's hard. I, I, I say these words to you, but I'm, I'm there with you because I don't live in the present moment half the, you know, like I don't even know how many times, <laughs> you know? It's like, ah, come back, come back, come back. Ah, oh my goodness. Um, so what do we need to do? We need to work on motivation right? We need to feel the fire under us that this is a good practice to bring us back to ourselves, to each other, right? And to the possibilities of life instead of something in the future. No future, just now, just now, just now. Um, so I wanted to share with you my screen for this week. And um, let me see if I could do this. Oh, no. Well done. Can you see that? See? Okay. So um, look, this week is kind of the mantra is rinse and repeat. <laughs> Rinse and repeat, do it again and again and again and again and again, because we just got to keep practicing. Keep practicing your mindfulness meditation five times, 20 minutes each time. Go for it. Hey, you didn't do it this week. You have another chance. You did it sometimes. That's fantastic. You did it for five minutes. Oh, my gosh, that's a win. Right. Focus on what you're doing good and keep running with that. Jot down your practice. So keep yourself accountable. This is motivation. This is the bit of effort that you want to do. 
Read through the notes in the attached PDF, which is right under here. Respond to some of the ideas in the notes in your notebook. Have a conversation with me and with you. I'm there with you. Um, keep reading from when things fall apart. Do so slowly. Don't worry how far you get. Just savor the book, right? Become more active in Telegram. Don't be a wallflower, right? <laughs> and if you haven't joined Telegram, there's the link. Download the app. Put some things down, like what's going on with you? What's a win that you had for the day? Share that with us. On Friday, do a short check-in via Telegram if you can. Focus on what's working for you. You can post a comment or better still record around video. And if you're available on Friday, join us because there are a bunch of you guys for a 20-minute meditation practice at 7 a.m. So the same things as last week, right? And then here are the notes and you could download these. I love this quote. I want to read it out to you. This is a, a favorite poet of mine. Her name is Gloria Ansaldúa. And she says, a borderlands is a vague and undetermined place created by the emotional residue of an unnatural boundary. It is in a constant state of transition. The prohibited and forbidden are its inhabitants. Los atravesados live here. The squint-eyed, the perverse, the queer, the half-dead, in short, those who cross over, pass over, and go through the confines of the normal, of the normal. So la frontera is what we're talking about. And if you scroll down right here, you hear Pima Chodron say the same thing in different words, pointing to the in-betweenness, the space that we can hold, that we can invite into sort of existence, and, and, and in that way, live from that in-between space. It is the most creative space to be in. It's where possibility, imagination, love, creativity can blossom and emerge. Read through that. And if you go through the next part of the document, you'll see there's a little primer on the sitting posture and uh, there's some thoughts. <laughs> and, uh, and then there's this essay. This is an essay from a, a student of mine uh, he didn't write this in my class. He was in my yoga meditation class, but I worked with Nigel for the, since 2019. Read this essay. It's from the book called Hear Us. And, um, and, and this is a, a person who's incarcerated right now. So as you read this essay, connect it to Pima Chodron. Nigel is, is, is like pointing to powerful things that are just in different language translating um, just the existence, right? That life is difficult, that when the rug gets pulled from under us, it is at that moment that we have the opportunity to become aware, aware and awake and awake. That's it. Um, okay, does anybody wanna ask me something? Cause we're just about out of time. I just wanted to say, um, I downloaded Telegraph, but our, our dog has, um, we don't know what, we didn't know, we don't know what happened to her the first year of life before we got her, but she was out on the street and she may have been part of some experiment because the mm -hmm. dinging sound traumatizes her and she has to leave the room. So even your bells uh, in the meditation. So every time the phone dinged, she would freak out. So I just said, well, you know, I'm with you in spirit, but I, I'm, I'm not going to be on Telegram. 
you you can i don't i don't have any dinging sounds from that app or actually from any uh, other apps so you could actually mute completely take out notifications i don't get any so okay. i only look at it when i go like oh i should look at it but um but that's that's an option it's there to create a sense of community but i hear you i hear you anybody else does any is anybody lost with like where that document is i will I've sent it out. So I sent it out via email. So you should see it there. Alexia? Yeah, so actually I wanted to ask you, um, first of all, thank you for welcoming me. Camila has told me so much and I'm super yeah. grateful to be here. Um, and then I also wanted to ask, I've kind of like let go of my practice in like the past year almost. And it's been hard to get back to that and get back to myself. So. I started reading the notes for this week, but I just wanted to know if you have like any other tips on how I can just quiet <laughs> the craziness. Tip, like basic stuff, put a calendar um, reminder so that you that, so that you sit, uh, preferably in the morning. I mean, if we're gonna be really practical, like when you wake up, that's when you should do it. If you wake later, you don't do it. You do it when you start the day. Um, uh, you know, have a space where you go like, this is where I sit. I like to do things that, that bring me like a sense of peace. I light some incense. I open my window. You know, I have a, a ritual that I do for my sitting because I want to connect it to pleasure. I don't want to connect it to like, oh my God, I have to sit. This is terrible. It's like, no, my God, I get to have some relief from the craziness of my thinking, which is really crazy. Most of the time I'm like, okay, I, I give myself a break. So I make it nice. Um, and so start it in the morning, do it consistently, uh, write it down when you do it so that you go like, oh, I did it. Because that triggers the sense of, of accomplishment. It takes effort. This doesn't happen through magic. It doesn't happen through like wishing. It happens through doing. And so there's an effort aspect to this that we can't deny. And we, and we wanna put enough effort not too much where you become obsessive, but just enough, just enough. And, and each person is gonna know what the just enough is, right? But early, you know, like what the morning, early or not, whatever, whenever you wake up, that's when I would do it. And then I would have an end of the day practice. The end of the day practice to me is the journaling. And that's the three wins, the lesson and the gratitude. End the day with gratitude because that's going to set your mind when you wake up and you go like, shit, oh my gosh, like I have good things happening in my life. It's not all shitty. It's not all like terrible. It's like there's good and bad. Um, and that's a nice thing, right? So those two things anchor your day. It begins your day. It ends your day. And in the in-between, just keep reminding yourself, I got this. I Like, like I'm a human being. Like, I am so lucky to be in this body, the body that I have, not the body that somebody else has, but my body, my mind, my experiences. I'm like, this is a blessing. Why? Because I'm manifesting this part of life to the rest of you. And it's unique. It's like, what a unique experience to be in your body. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Yeah. Anybody else? 
it's a request actually. Um, not necessarily a question because you can teach a master class on it that would go on for maybe three semesters. I'd like to explore the concept of toxic positivity later, not tonight. Okay. Maybe or do I have a, yeah. I, have a, I definitely have a lot to say about that. <laughs> Another day. Yeah. But bring it up next class. Maybe that's a question that because a lot of times people will think that if you practice meditation, you smile and you're nice all the time. And the reality is that no, you don't smile all the time and you're not always nice. And that's okay because you are a fucking human being, you know? And some days you got it together and some days you snap. And when you snap, you go like, shit, I snapped. And at that moment, you go like, oh, yeah, how interesting. And it becomes a delightful experience of noticing how you snapped. <laughs> and, and sometimes, guess what? Sometimes we need to snap. We need to snap at something that needs to be corrected because if it doesn't get corrected, it creates havoc for a lot of other people. And so being the nice person that agrees to that is a terrible thing. It's not about image, right? It's not like, oh yeah, the, I have the image of like, I know all this shit. No, like I don't know anything. And half the time I'm like, I'm terrible. You know, like <laughs> I have a temper. Yeah. All right. Well, everybody, in those words and with those sentiments, I, I'm so happy to see you all. Genuinely, like so grateful. Um, I look forward to seeing you guys on Friday, for those of you who can show up, those of you who are posting to Telegram, post away, you know, like, uh, be yourself. I think that you're getting a sense of, like, I keep trying to, like, you know, I don't hold back from, like, this is me. Yeah, I do say fuck and I do say shit. And I, like, and that's part of the way I communicate. I have, I, you know, some people get offended by that, but it's, it's the way I, I am, you know, so, and I teach the way I, I am and I do so because there's a space for that. There's a space for other ways of doing things too. And I acknowledge that, but um, we all have space for each other. And um, that's really, really awesome. With that, have a great night, have a good sleep, uh, get some rest and I will see you later. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Carlos. Good night. Good night. Always fabulous. Oh, my goodness, Patsy. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night Adios. Good night.